Alright, hello and welcome back to the Lob Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football. In Portugal, you're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. How's things, Barney? How are you doing? I'm not going to lie, man. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all stemming from I just made a shepherd's pie and I didn't make enough mashed potato. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, we've done, this is our third podcast this week. I feel like I'm, I'm ready for this international break. But I also know that come next Friday, I'll be like, oh, where's the where's the football? Where's the <laughs> where's the Premier League? But I'm good, man. How, I'm good. I'm only joking. How are you? I'm good, man. You're right. It doesn't say long, does it? You start thinking, oh, I'm enjoying this break. And then you miss the, the league very quickly. Has been a busy week. We've done two, as you say, two. We've been guests on two other podcasts, which is quite nice. Uh, so you should be hearing more about those this week. And we're going to try and get through a lot of stuff this week, although it might be a shorter episode than usual, just because life gets in the way. Sometimes we are quite busy, but hopefully there'll be plenty uh, of good stuff in this show. Just to start quickly, Barney, we should just react very quickly to what happened in Europe. Last week, obviously, with no European football coming up. Uh, big results for all three clubs. Some good, some bad. Uh, Benfica beat Juventus 2-1. Very good, very well-deserved result, I thought. Uh, Sporting won 2-0 against Spurs. Absolutely loved that one. Enjoyed having a bit of a dig at the uh, Spurs fans after the game. Really enjoyed that victory. Because uh, I suppose it was a bit less expected than than Benfica's. Um, and of course, the other end of the spectrum, Porto, lost 4-0 to Club Brugge. That was a really humiliating result. So where do you want to go with this one, Barney? Where do you want to start? Uh, well, it's, it's great. Firstly, Benfica and Sporting, it's, it's so good to see. I feel like, you know, obviously Benfica had a great run last year, but also Porto, when a couple of seasons back when they had that great run as well. It's just good to see that all, all the teams, like, you know, showing their credentials at some point in the Champions League. I think it's it's a nice reminder. And I think I was listening to the Guardian Football podcast and, you know, on there they were sort of saying, like, people do underappreciate the 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 Portuguese clubs, you know, they they yeah. do think they're there to to get wins against, and and they're not. They're really not. They're you know, these are really handy teams, and they perform yeah. really well. So yeah, I was I was really happy. Apart from Porto, <laughs> unless you're Porto addition out wins for fun to their opponents at the moment. Yeah, really really tough one that one. Four 0 against Bruges. I think it's the sort of result where anyone who's watched Bruges for a while will know that, in a similar way to a lot of the Portuguese clubs are. Bruges are a much better club than perhaps we we had yeah. them down on paper. So, uh, although obviously this very damaging loss, it's not like they lost 4-0 to some Moldovan side in the qualifying rounds of the Europa Conference League. You know, this is a Champions League standard team who they lost to. Obviously, very damaging loss and and makes their chances of qualifying from the group much more difficult. They did they lost quite heavily last year to was it Liverpool in the group mm. stages. And then they, they sort of that was it. Was that right? And they bounced back. But what I was trying to say is that I feel like this, you know, this is the sort of result. It looks dreadful. It looks terrible. Obviously, the Formula League adds that. But, you know, Qantas Health can use this as fuel, can't he, to sort yeah. of to bounce back. We know he's very good at doing that. So, yeah, we'll, um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. Very tough ask for them now to get out of the group. But Sporting and Mbappé got a great chance. Uh, and down in the Europa League, I was really pleased by this one. It didn't get much coverage, but Braga beat Union Berlin uh, mm. 1-0 at home. Really, really good victory. I thought Union Berlin were going to be the team to beat Braga possibly on both legs. You know, that Union Berlin are top of the Bundesliga. I mean, obviously they might not finish top coming into the season, but that just shows you what standard of opposition they are, you know. Uh, German clubs are always so tough. It's such a strong league. Even if you're the fifth best club in Germany, to come up against one of the top four in, in, in Portugal is going to be really tough. So I thought that was a really, really good result. So congratulations to Braga and obviously Benfica and Sporting as well. It's good to see Portuguese clubs uh, represented well 
uh, in Europe. Well, look, we're going to get straight into the games of the week from the Premier League. Some absolute crackers this week. It was, you know, some really good games, not just from the big three, but from further down the table as well. We're going to see how many we can get through in the time that we've got today. Uh, and I want to start at the top of the table, Barney, with Benfica, who put five goals past Marito, two from Gonzalo Ramos, Rafa Silva, David Nerez, and a debut goal for Julian Draxler. Very pleasing performance for Benfica. I mean, what what we even got left to say about this team at the moment? You know, they've won every single game that Roger Schmidt's managed them under. We we praise them every week. They're top of the table. We fully expect them to stay there. Pretty much, I would say it's realistic that they don't come off first place for the rest of the, the season. You know, this is just an incredible team. Where do we go? What do we what do we say? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're they're looking absolutely devastating. And I guess we should maybe. I don't know. There's a few players I wanted to highlight who perhaps aren't in the in the limelight. Perhaps uh, I thought Alex on the bar has looks. You know, after Gilberto's fantastic start to the season. You know, and the talk around Gilberto was that he was even vying for a spot in the Brazil national team. The way he was playing, and Alex on the bar. You know, five years his junior. You know, I think that's uh, that's a, an important um, thing to remember because it, I think he's showing so much promise, and he looks a little bit more accomplished to me. A little bit more. I don't know. I feel a bit more comfortable with him than Gilberto, and he's he's just looking really, really good and just a great conundrum for Roger Schmidt to um, to have. And Albert, I, can you confirm? I, I've forgotten how we're pronouncing this guy's name, but Ausnes, <laughs> Ausnes. I think it's a free for all at the moment. I'm going for Ausnes. Ausnes. Let's stick with Ausnes. That sounds right. Um, man, I, I'm just going to say now. He, I thought Enzo Fernandez was. Like like my, my midfield, I was going to connect with, but this guy, I, I like him even more. I'm not saying he's better, but I just his, his passing. He's so quick with the pass, and and when they were sort of going from right to left or left to right, you know, trying to get Maritimo out of position a little bit, it was hmm. the speed. You know, it's a touch and pass, touch and pass. It was the speed was there, and, and he was usually the one making starting it. And there was a, also a moment where he absolutely burst forward just to close down a gap and then he started a break from Benfica I just I love him I think he's, a, he's a, a just another excellent excellent signing that Benfica have made this window well, I think that's the point isn't it you know Orsenes is doing well Bar, as you say doing very well uh, David Nerez doing very well Enzo Fernandez doing very well I think it though the new signings kind of epitomise what's different about Benfica this season which is that everything's working everything's going for them you know last year we saw and the season before that we saw multiple signings just not really work out you know things not clicking things not being done the right way but everything's going for them this year all the new players that they brought in look good we even saw John Brooks come off the bench we saw Ristich come off the bench and Julian Draxler came off the bench and looked like he was playing in a World Cup final he he looked fantastic and the goal he scored was unreal so everything's going well for Benfica at the moment everything's clicking Um, we're not going to spend too long in this game just because I feel like every week we talk about Benfica, we talk about how good things are. So the headline really is that everything is going great and they look formidable at the moment. If you just want to touch on Maritimo for a second, Barney, obviously tough ask for them to come and do anything really to impress against Benfica playing the way they are, especially given the form they've had this season. Um, new manager Joel Henriquez is in now. If they were hoping to perhaps display some of the new defensive solidity that they're hoping Henriquez is going to bring in. This game was the last game that they needed, really. So perhaps unfair to judgment, but obviously losing 5-0 didn't really show any signs of improvement. I think we'll have to, to be fair, judge them 
once Henrique has had a bit more time in the training ground, once the players have adapted to his style more and when they're playing against teams more at the level that they'll be hoping to compete at. I think what I, what I was from this game, which I, I was disappointed about, was that, you know, it was literally backs against wall stuff for the vast majority of the game. They had very little possession. When they did, they lost it very quickly. But then towards the end of the game, you know, being four, four goals down, I, they started to play a bit of football. They started to get themselves in attacking positions. And you just like, I don't know, that sort of implies to me that they perhaps the, the, the capability was there and that the, the manager's direction wasn't sort of allowing them to, to try that a bit more. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's a hard game to judge. Um, I, I feel like I need to try and be less biased against Shao Henriquez, but I think it's going to be very hard to do. Um, and also just a bit of a shame. I feel like it's a very similar team he went out with, you know, that I I, I would like to see a, a, a bit more. I think mean, there's other players that come into this Mauricio who might improve and might have, who have performed better than some of the others have. So yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. But fantastic for Benfica again. Absolutely great stuff for Benfica. Well, it was two disappointing results for the other big three sides. Uh, Estoril, Porto dropped points at Estoril and Sporting lost to Bovista. I want to start there, Barney, with the Sporting game. Um, 2-1 they lost in the Estadio de Bessa. After the performance they put in against Spurs, I didn't really expect them to be dropping points in this game, although we know how good Bovista have been. I think all credit has to go to Bovista in this game because they've gone under the radar re- really about how well they've been performing. They're in the top four, they're playing great football and they've got a really good result against one of the biggest teams in this country. Um, two goals from Bruno Lorenzo, uh, another un- unsung hero in this side. Um, talk about Bovista for a second because I really want to give them the credit for this result. I don't think many people would have seen this coming despite what they've achieved this season. And I think this is a real statement to uh, a lot of people who won't watch Bovista week in, week out about just the level that this team is capable of playing at. I really feel like there's something brewing there, you know, and the, they they obviously had that, that that turbulent period under, you know, with Gerard, when Gerard Lopez bought them and they, they've sort of rode that out and they're, and they're starting to build something, you know, and, and when we recently did that podcast with Pogma Girl, an Irish podcast and publication. And in that, we were talking big picture stuff, weren't we, Albert, about crowd size, fan fan appeal and other issues in Portuguese football. And I think Boa Vista are a good example now of a club starting to reconnect with a fan base. You know, there's lots of things contributing to that. It's something that Petit spoke about when he first took the job that they need to re- rebuild that connection with the with the fans, and I think it's the you know it's the youth players being introduced to the team, uh, which is certainly helping. Martin Tavares is the obvious one, but there's other players too. Pedro Maero, who's quietly been really solid at right wing back for a while now, and then other things as well. You know, smart business. You know, they, they, let's not forget it was it wasn't too long ago that Javi Garcia was signed to play centre back for them, but how did that pan out? Was terrible. But you know, Lorenzo got the goals in the game he was a, a, a decent player for Estoril didn't stand out like you said but he's he's come in and I think that this is the point I'm trying to make here is that throughout this squad there's consistent players that, that's what they need they don't need these veterans who might have a, a decent performance they don't need like you know th- these these weird loan signings they've, they've bought in players to build a team and I think the, the like I said I think there's something brewing here at, at Boa Vista we talk about consistent players Barney two players who've played every single minute of Premier League of Football this season, Bruno Lorenzo and Gais Makuta. And those two players are unsurprisingly two of the best players in the team at the moment. I mean, we have to give 
Bruno Lorenzo, his credit, he scored both goals in this match. The second was a, a penalty, the very ball-taking penalty, but the first goal was goal of the season contender out of this world, left foot volley into the top right corner. I'm sure everyone has seen the video going, doing the rounds on Twitter, but if you haven't, we say this a lot, but if you haven't, you have to go and check out the highlights of this game. Just it's to the build-up as well, though. It's the build-up from Kenji Well, Kore. it's funny. It's the, it's the Kenji Gore assist, which I love this so much because poor Kenji, right? He does all this amazing work, like dribbling into the box. And he does such a great run. He dribbles into the box, cuts back, sits down the sporting defender, gets his shot away, keeper saves it, the ball quite comedically hits him in the head um, and then Lorenzo volleys it into the top corner. But I think that assist is kind of living proof of uh, if you try hard, you will be rewarded, perhaps not always in the ways that you expect, but you'll be rewarded because it was an assist and, and it was a great goal. But a wonderful result for Bovista and, and a fully deserved performance. Of course, we have to talk about sporting as well and and, and the negative impact this will have on them. Um Really troubling, I think, now, the position they are in the table. It's been a historically poor start to the season. I, I don't think they've had a start to the season as bad like this, possibly ever, but definitely for a long time. Um, it was a full-strength 11. When you look at that starting 11, for me, that's currently every single one of their best players in their best position. Um, and yet they still couldn't even get a point against Boa Vista. This is Amarim's first big test. Um, as a manager, you know, it's the first time he's really had a, a big problem to deal with. And we're having another conversation about what's going wrong for them. So we've had this conversation a couple of times, but based on his performance, have you got anything to add that you haven't said already about what is going wrong for Sporting so far this season? It's, I, I know it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Because I feel like we're having this conversation regularly and also flip-flopping because of their decent performances in Europe. Yeah. But there's... I think that's the issue, isn't it? Is that I don't want to say that players aren't getting themselves up for the league games, but they are getting themselves up for the big Champions League side because I don't think that is necessarily the case. But there, there is a sort of I don't know. There's something not quite right in the league, and I you just see them sort of struggle. There seems to if it goes for a period of time where they can't find that goal, I feel like they, they have no other ideas. There's no plan B really, is there? And, and Amarin's sort of key to that, you know, there needs to be some more flexibility, but then I don't really know who he brings on to sort of change you up when, you know, you've got to go with your strongest team. So that if I was going to nail it down to one area of the pitch, but I think it's that midfield. And I think Mateus Nunes, you know, losing him as, as one of the two, his ability to drive forward at pace, you know, get them up the pitch quicker was, was very important to the way that uh, sporting play. With, with regard to Marita, I feel like they're both quite similar players who don't have that sort of attacking drive as Mateus Nunes has. So I've, that's something that's lacking there. And then, of you know, there's mistakes. I think we were chatting with Zach the other night and you, you made a good point that, about the defence that there's just, she can't really account for as a manager, I suppose. It's just individual errors. You know, this guy is so sloppy there, so poor. And I know he's been going out getting a lot of stick, but I I, I can see why. I, I'm, yes, he's been played out of position, but his performances haven't been good enough for sporting. You know, this is a huge move for a player going from Braga to sporting. You know, this is a move that he would have dreamed about his whole career. And I, I mean, no disrespect to Braga for that, but you know, that's the reality. This, that was the whole reason this move came about. He wanted that, this move to happen. And, you know, he's got to take his opportunities when he's, when he's given them and he, and he hasn't so far. 
we have to talk about the penalty decision. Was it a penalty for you? Because it was a very light touch from Esguio on the Bovista player that got the penalty. I'm kind of in two minds on this one. I think if you pushed me, I would say I think it's too harsh to be a penalty. Yeah, I, I do get it. I do get why people are annoyed. I just think there's... Uh, you shouldn't be, you, they shouldn't be putting themselves in that position in the first place, though. I, you it's know, a lazy it, foot, it's, yeah. It's a lazy challenge. Yeah, I think one thing we shouldn't do now, but we, I feel like we do a lot is when one of the big three lose or drop points, you know, there's always the referees being chucked about there. You know, we, we shouldn't forget sporting have a, you know, as bad of a transfer window they have, they have a, a good enough squad to beat this Boversa team. And, and Bovis are absolutely brilliant and deserve their wins. So, um, yeah, all credit to them. Absolutely. All credit to Bovista. Well, similarly, Porto dropped points against Estoril, although they managed to salvage a draw with a 96-minute penalty from Mediterranean after Thiago Gouveia put Estoril ahead initially. Um, very damaging result for Porto. Obviously, the, the difference is that they weren't coming off of a successful Champions League result. They were coming off of a very damaging Champions League result. And so to get this result in the league will have put their fans in a real, real uh, disappointed position. Let's let's talk about the game first before we talk about bigger picture stuff. For me, when I look at this game and I look at Porto, I, I it's almost an epitome of, of where Porto are as a club at the moment. I think um, they're struggling to create goals and they're struggling to get themselves out of difficult situations. You know, when they come up against a team who... Um, who pressures them, who puts them in, in a tough place, they they struggle to come up with answers. I think, you know, I said this when we chatted to Zach the other day, it's obviously a, almost a bit too simplistic to put this down to the fact that they lost Fatinha, Fabio, Vieira and Luis Diaz. Um, but I think, sadly, it does make a difference. One of the most interesting things you can do is compare Porto this year and Porto last year. And, and when they played Estoril away from home last year, in that game, it was a famous game where they were 2-0 down and came back to win 3-2. I think it was three goals in the last 10 minutes, something like that. This year, you know, they're 1-0 down against Estoril and they struggled to get a 96-minute penalty just to salvage a draw. In that game last year, they had Luis Diaz, a huge difference maker, who pretty much rescued the game on his own. And then they had a bit of magic from Francisco Contessa. Obviously, now both of those players are not there. And I think that is the difference with Porto, unfortunately. They're lacking difference makers. And they're lacking creativity. At the moment, they look like, to me, a team of very competent, hard-working footballers. But what they need is someone from within the squad that they've got to step up and say, OK, I'm going to be the player who makes differences in games when we need one player, an individual, to stand up and and and, and be special. They've got great players. You know, They've got Taremi, Otavio, Pepe, all these good players. But it seems like at the moment, none of these players is enough on their own to to dig this team out of a hole when they when they so often need it. And it's not like they, they didn't need it last season at times. Like I say, that game against Estoril last season was a great example from that. But they had the players who were capable of, of making the difference. And I just don't see those players in, in this squad at the moment. No, and I agree with you. And I think that's, you know, this is where Conchitao needs to work out how to how to play with this, this squad. You know, I think when you're playing two midfielders and it can be any combination of Uribe, Estakil, Gruzic, you know, when you're playing those two, you're not getting the 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 forward passes, the, you know, switching the ball out to the wingers. So you need your other players and I would look to your wingers, your wide men, to, to be the people driving the, the play forward and I don't understand why we haven't seen Veron and Pepe both play on either side of the wings. I think that's something we perhaps need to see. Um, they, they had their classic Porto moment where 
it, you know, it, it started getting the 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 game started getting whipped up into a little bit of a frenzy. You know, that sort of from when um, Endai uh, more Endai got that, that's that red card. You know, and from then on, it was like calling for every foul. Um, you know. Conscious on the touchdown, waving the players forward, but that was that was just all a little bit too late, you know. That that should have come earlier. There was no sort of uh, I didn't feel that the urgency before that, um, and that was what was disappointing for me. I think there's players in there who uh, I think Evan Nielsen's been given too much of a chance this season. I think you know Danny Namasa, Tony Miners. I know I keep saying this, but I feel like they they you know they deserve more of an opportunity than they've been given by Conscious Al. Um, but I mean, Albert, for me, you know, we're talking about Porter there. Looking at Estrell, that they were they were playing the sort of way that I expect Porto that I want Porto to be playing, you know, yeah. with Gerardas and Guevara. I, I mean, let's talk about Gerardas for a little bit because what what a display from him and it scored. Oh yeah, he should. <laughs> and you know, this is this is the crux of it, isn't it? Like in this game that you just you saw like. A top quality player, like top quality. Yeah. There's a few decisions, a few touches that just go right, which is that difference of him not getting to the top level. But still, you know, a, a fantastic play from him and Guaver as well. I, I yeah, I, I, I don't know if he deserved to be man of the match. I, you know, and the fact that this this low move from Benfica has split some Benfica fans, saying, "Look, this kid could offer something for us." He's got to be playing ninety minutes. You see him growing in confidence, and and it's working out a treat. 100%. He's in exactly the right place where he needs to be for his development because, you know, it's all well and good being the promising youth player who comes off the bench for the senior team. There's no pressure. There's no responsibility. He's a key player, after all, and he needs to, you know, take on some responsibility that he seems to be responding well to, equal to Geraldo's, who now finds himself a senior player at a team, and he's taking on responsibility, and, and it seems to be benefiting him as well. So, as you say, very, very good performance for Estoril. I have to say, though... You, the, the penalty, you know, you just mentioned there have been some dodgy penalty decisions. This was the opposite of a dodgy penalty decision. This was a stupid penalty, like the, the handball from Jorginho. Mm. It's, uh, you know, I, we, we do obviously make a point of praising um, smaller teams when they achieve something good. But I think in this instance, the best praise I can give Estoril is by not damning them with faint praise and, and actually criticising the fact that one of their players has let them down here and they should be walking away with all three points. You know, if Estoril want to, can you know want to perhaps fight for Europe this season? All their players need to be on the same wavelength and understand that if you're going to do stupid things like handball in the penalty area in the 96th minute, you're letting your teammates down. So that was the one blot on their copybook of of what was otherwise a really excellent game uh, for Estoril. And I agree with you your assessment of Porto as well. We saw uh, we saw Quintessel make changes um, after they lost to Rio Ave, and I think they benefited from that. Uh, perhaps he's being a bit too stubborn again, but some of the players that he brought in, like uh, Eustachio, didn't quite impact this game. And I, I agree, I think Evan Ilson should be dropped. I think Tony Martinez has looked very good when he's come on. So, difficult times for Porto. I mean, people keep talking about like the manager, what's going on, will will Constasau walk? I think Sergio Constasau is one of the best things about that club at the moment. I, I think he's far from being the problem at that club. I think he's managed that team through a lot of difficult circumstances. I think he's dealt with big player sales at awkward times and he's he's you know he understands what it means to be Porto manager. So I think it's not although he's not perfect, I think he's far from the biggest problem that Porto are facing at the moment. I think there's confidence issues. I think there's issues with squad planning over the summer whereby they've left themselves a bit short in terms of being good enough to compete for first place in this league when they saw what Benfica were doing over the summer. So difficult situation for Porto. I, I sympathise with the fans a little bit. It's obviously not 
not that fun at the moment, losing games in Europe and drawing games in the league. So difficult times, but I think they have they have got good players in that side. If Constancel can do it once when he's done it, you know, this is obviously not the Porto side that we had last year with all those great flair players, but he achieved great things the seasons before that. You know, he only finished one point behind Sporting for the league title. And, and I think that was actually quite a similar team to the one he's got now, you know, less of the flair players, less of the individuals, but he managed to get a good team out of the squad he had then. So I think they can do a similar thing this season if if, if they get things right and and they galvanise as a team. And, and I hope the fans will uh, give them time to improve. Well, let's do the last of the big four games, which is obviously what Braga have earned the right to be called. After getting themselves up to second in the league, they're looking much stronger than Porto and Sporting in this moment. And it was another win at home against Vizela. Of course, a game that we expect them to win, but that doesn't make it any easier, especially when you're coming up against such a resilient team like Vizela have proven themselves to be. We saw the way they almost got a draw against Porto. We saw them go ahead in the Estadio de Luz and almost hold on for points against Benfica in the season. So a tough ask to come against Vizela and get a win, but they did so and they won in the way that successful teams win, through patience, through hard work and trusting that they will have enough to get over the line. It was a goal in the 82nd minute from Vitinha and a 94th minute banger from Ricardo Horta. Great performance from Braga. And like I said, Barney, I'm sure you'll agree, the type of performance which shows why they're at top end of the table at the moment. What I found interesting in this game, Albert, was you know a, a bit, little bit of rotation. Vitinha sort of dropped to the bench for Alvarez. That was a treat because he came on for, like hungry. I made a real bit of effect. Um, Rasic coming into the team as well, just a sort of reminder that you know without um, Almas Ray, there's an excellent player to come into his place in the in the centre of midfield. I, I I just I'm I'm really enjoying this Braga, Braga team because. Everything is clicking and and they're playing well. And I think you you made this point earlier, Albert. Uh, the fact that they're convincing, you know, that games do pan out hard sometimes. You know, you you struggle to break teams down. This this will happen regularly throughout this league, and it's these games where you've got to be patient. And and they sh- they certainly showed that. Yeah, definitely. And and similar to Benfica in a way, it's it's a case of everything going right in a way that perhaps it didn't last season. You know. Um, everything's clicking at the moment. The squad is in a great place. The squad depth is in a great place. Everyone in that starting eleven is contributing, and there's players on the fringe of that starting eleven who are hungry to get into the side. You know, the interesting thing for me this game was we saw Abel Ruiz rewarded with a start. He's come off the bench uh, so many times, but he was in the starting eleven, and it was Vitinha's turn to be the impact sub. And what an impact sub he was! You know, getting a goal and a and a fantastic finish it was too to put his team ahead. Ricardo Horta as well looks to be back at his best. He was a little bit unsettled before the transfer window closed, but now the window's shut and his future is more certain. He's got his head back straight. He's a leader again uh, and he's contributed with great goals. That that goal that he scored was an incredible finish. It, it reminded me of, of the goal that Son scored uh, for Spurs this week against uh, against Leicester. It was a very similar finish, that kind of on the right side of the box, outside of the box, into the top right corner. Incredible finish. I think he might have been a bit further out than Son, actually. Um, but yeah, just the team is clicking and playing great football and and and, and it's a joy to watch. And they had, I mean, Horta had to pull off a world-class finish to that because Buntic in goal for Vizela was absolutely phenomenal. And, and mm. I, I, I've I mentioned him before because I just think it's been, he's really stood out for me. And it, it's, a, it's such an important thing for teams in this league 
to have a great goalkeeper, you know, to because on another day he would have he would have earned them a point in this game. You know, he was putting us some ridiculous saves, and mm-hmm. I think that because I think the Vizela defense generally did did well. I think they struggled once you know to get the ball forward from midfield to attack. I think that that, that they let they were sort of weak in that aspect, but but defensively, I thought they they put in a really good show despite losing in the game. Well, that's that's the interesting thing about Vizela is we've we've talked a lot about them uh, as a club who when they came up came up playing a style of football that they wanted to play and, and sticking by that. But I think, as I alluded to earlier, what they've shown this season is is a resilience and, mm. and a realistic way of playing football at a high level in this league, which has almost done them very proud on a number of occasions. Obviously, they come out of games against Porto, Benfica and Braga with zero points, but it's not for lack of trying. I think they've been really, really good value in all of those games. And I think what I like is it shows a humility from Alvaro Pacheco in the way that he sets up his team, he he doesn't, you know, he he doesn't, he's not too proud to go into a game against a big team and and set them up for failure by trying to make them play a way of playing that's just going to result in them getting battered three, four, five nil. You know, it's easy for a manager of an underdog team to set up his team in a kind of attacking formation, get them to go out and say, "Oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a promising young manager. I'm going to play this attractive football. My team's going to get beat four nil, but that's fine. You know, I'll, I, at least I'm they're playing the way I sent them out to play." He doesn't do that, you know. He he sets them up to try and grind out results, and and they almost did it on many occasions, which is why it's yeah a bit unfortunate that. They come out of this game, and as I said, those games against Porto and Benfica with nothing to show for themselves. But on the whole, I think Vizela are looking like a very strong team, uh, a tough team, and they're showing a kind of uh, resilience that I think will we'll see them good this Premier League season. When I was a little bit worried about them before the season started. All right, well, let's look a little bit further down the table at some of the games that happened this week. And one of the best games this weekend came courtesy of Gilles Vicente uh, and Rio Ave. They played out a 2-2 draw and I really enjoyed this game. I kind of sensed that it was going to be a good game beforehand because it was two teams that, in my opinion, Barney, are, are, are coming good at the same time. I think Rio Ave have been improving game by game this season. And, and Gilles Vicente, while they started slowly, possibly because of distractions from Europe. Um, we obviously predicted good things from them this season. And I think they've got a good group of players and a good manager. So I think they will do well this season. And I think they showed that in this game. It was a fantastic, great game of football. All four goals are really high quality goals. You had the drama of Rio Ave going two goals ahead and then Gilles Vicente getting those two goals back to obviously draw the game. You had the red card incident with Google that added a bit of drama. And then, of course, you had the icing on the cake, which is the fact that the 94th minute winner from Gilles Vicente came from Mario, a player who spent the last eight or nine months on the injury table. So it was a it was a fantastic game of football. As I so often say, when we're trying to promote games outside of the big three in this league, this was a great advert for Portuguese football and what it can be without one of the big teams involved. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think you're right there. I think we're starting to see the the, the Vicente of old, you know, in, mm. certainly in the first half, because it's despite going 2-0 down, that they were, certainly in the first part of this game, the, the, you know, there was players flooding forward, there was quick play, and they were just lacking that sort of quality to, to finish the chances. You know, Baselli, in my mind, missed a, missed a pretty easy one. Uh, there's still things to iron out, Albert. I think 
Fujimoto's a 10, as a, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I feel like mm. he was better playing slightly deeper, getting forward, arriving late. You know, I don't think he should shoulder the creative responsibility. I don't think that's his game. Um, but, you know, Mario coming back into the team, I, I had forgotten about him, to be honest, because he was such a good player from the first half of the season. They did really well to cope without him because he was fantastic on, on the wing. So that's a real boost for them, him coming back. And then I, I know I always talk about it, Kevin Velodris, I think, has more to offer. You know, I haven't seen enough of him. And I think, you know, Ivor Vieira was making, I remember a few weeks back, I think it might have been against Porto. He made like four substitutions at halftime and, and and I, I criticise him for that. But in this mm. game, you know, I think he deserves credit for the changes he made because he, mm. he got those players on. I've just talked about Bueno as well. And, and that really changed the game for them going 2-0 behind. Um, and sorry, I, I just want to... The chip from Fran Navarro was absolutely <laughs> delightful. It was beautiful as well. It was, you know, like I said, some great goals in this game. Him and, and Guga's goal, the left foot volley, mm. two really eye-catching goals. But like you say, Fran Navarro did the... the the cheek to, to try and pull that off. And I think that's a good sign because, you know, the whole story about Fran Navarro is, is whether he's going to achieve this season what he did last season. And in the back of my mind, the doubt I had about him was whether because he didn't get that big move, whether he was going to be in the right headspace to put up the same numbers that he did last season. But I think, like I said, a finish like that and getting on the score sheet shows that he's still got the confidence Um still got the confidence inside him. So hopefully that will be, you know, him kicking on up and running this season. We want to see him getting into double figures uh, for goals for Gil Vicente. He's definitely got that in his locker. But yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of Gil Vicente. I think they have under underachieved so far this season because we're so used to these clubs that do well one year kind of dropping off the next. But I don't think we should be expecting that from Gil Vicente this year. I still think there's great players in that team. I think there's good quality all around the pitch. We've just mentioned a few of the attacking players there, but even from a defensive point of view, they've got Andrew in goal, who is an excellent goalkeeper, somebody I think we will see linked with bigger clubs uh, in the not too distant future. They brought in Marin, the left-back, obviously, from uh, Family Cow, who was on loan at Family Cow last season. He's shown he's got quality to perform in his league. I like Thomas Araujo, the defender on loan from Benfica. I think he's looked excellent. Mm -hmm. So, there's quality all up and down this team. And while they've had the distraction of Europe um, and they haven't quite gelled, I think we're starting to see them click. And I, I still believe in the Shield Ascent team that if they click, there's no reason that they couldn't be competing for the type of league finish that they achieved last year. I think with Rio Albert, Rio Albert, sorry, I think, um, I think you're right. I think they're looking more and more settled as, as the as the weeks go on in, in this league. You know, they're looking um good quality because they had the right they had to ride out that that early attack from Gilverson and then they got their goals and perhaps we could criticize them for for not holding out for the win, but you know that's gonna happen sometimes. And I do wonder if the squad has got enough to see them through the whole season because they you know as as good as the players We've talked about a lot, you know, Aziz, Guga, Costina. I feel I just love. I think he's a fantastic wing back, and I just think that there's one or two that do have. I have doubts in my mind, so we'll see how they do as the season goes on. But I've been really pleasantly surprised overall of how they've they've performed so far this season. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's been it's been it's been positive. I think people that watch them will be uh, will be impressed, and I think and I think rightly so. I predicted them to be a surprise package this season. I'm not sure they'll be quite as good as what I thought 
they could be, you know, they haven't quite caught the eye the way Casapia have or Burbista have or Porto Menendez have, but they still look decent. It's not an amazing points return so far for them. I think they're only on six points as it stands, but there's still lots of positives. There's good players in that side. I think, you know, Jonathan, the goalkeeper's mm. done a really good, made a really good show of himself these last few games. You know, when we chatted to Jose from Specialist Segunda about Rio Ave, he described him as a big game goalkeeper who makes eye-catching saves. And I think he's made a few of those eye-catching saves. Uh, and definitely, I think that there's good quality in that team that make them uh, an interesting team to watch. But yes, perhaps with a few injuries, they might struggle. But a good start, a decent start to the season. And I think they'll be pretty safe this year. Well, let's do another game, Barney, and talk about Santa Clara versus Pastor Ferreira, a game that ended 1-1 and gave Pastor Ferreira their first points of the season. <laughs> Pretty incredible, really, considering we're seven games in and they're only on one point, but that is a success for them. In terms of how the game went, though, Barney, I really struggled to see past the way Pastor's conceded the first goal against Santa Clara, especially when you look at the final result and think if they hadn't conceded they would have got a 1-0 win and had three points on the board because it was an awful awful goalkeeping error from their keeper who comes out to clear the ball misses the ball gifts Santa Clara a goal that said are you able are you unlike me capable of looking past that and seeing positives in this performance because it feels like yes uh, although a point is a step in the right direction I still struggle to look at the way they played in this game and and think anything positive other than the fact that well, it was a decent result, but ultimately they still looked very poor to me. Yeah, they they, they certainly haven't worked things out, have they? You know, it, it was good good to, for them to come back, get get the draw. I saw, I saw a bit more fight in a few players. I I, I talked about the, this player a lot on on Cortellini's podcast. Um, Mashori Jaro. I think he's shown. I I just think he he showed the fight in this game. He he did. He probably should have, should have scored another goal at least. He had some good chances, but. He, he did get the goal, and that's the important thing. I just think there's there's been a lot of player turnover. I, the, the midfield is the real area for me. But I think that the, the the attacking players they've got, but there's there's a disconnect. You know, I know they play like a sky ten and as a number ten. I I just think it's more the you know Lewis Carlos was such a prominent figure in in the midfield last season. We haven't seen that much from him. And I, I, and I, I feel like we're missing that presence. I, they, they, they feel like the back four haven't got much protection. But I, I'm also a sucker for for the seeing the, the 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 bright future that they could potentially have. And I don't know. I think come the end of the season, you know, a, a draw against the Santa Clara team, whoever their struggles of their own, it, it could come back to bite them. And like you say, that mistake is the key to not getting the three points potentially. I agree. I agree that there was more fight in this game, and I and I did really appreciate Matro Jao, the way he celebrated mm. his goal. It meant something to him. He run, he runs off and he's grabbing the badge and he's pumping his chest. And it obviously means something to him. And I, that is a good sign because if you don't have that, then you're absolutely screwed. But they do have passion and fight, but they are just lacking quality. It feels harsh to say, but even the way they scored where Matro Jao takes a shot from outside of the box, it goes through a lot of bodies in the box, takes a deflection and goes in. It almost just felt like, well, if you just take a certain amount of, sort of shots over the season, the law of averages sort of dictates that one of them will go in. It wasn't exactly a moment of real quality, but they have to cling on to what they can at the moment. And it is a point. And hopefully that will 
psychologically boost them a lot, you know, on the training ground, in the dressing room, before their next game, that will give them a boost and maybe they'll get an even bigger reward in their next game. But I am still not convinced and quite worried about them this season. I, I think there's a lot of similarities between these two teams, Santa Clara as well. You know, I feel like I, when I was thinking about what I'm going to say about Santa Clara, it's pretty much the same thing as Pasa to Ferreira. You know, a lot of players are coming. I feel like there's some good ones in there. They just need to work out the right combinations because there's been so many different teams put out from both teams so far this season. But um, Gabriel Silva for Santa Clara in this game, we've got the goal, obviously very opportunistic, but, you know, he's got a goal and, a, um, a goal and assist in his last three starts now, you know, that that's a that's a good sign. Mateus Babi up top as well, you know, a, a, a goal here and there. That's what both, both these clubs have gone for a very similar transfer window. It's it all seems up in the air. And I guess this is something that I've been trying to describe for a while. That, that, that we've been praising a lot of the promoted clubs on, on this podcast, haven't we, about the way they've 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 come up and they're solid, they look like a complete team. But clubs like Pastor Ferrer, clubs like Santa Clara, who've been in this league for a while really just go for this merry-go-round of players coming, going, managers as well. And it's really hard to have any sort of consistency. And they've it, it will take a bit of teething, a teething period to sort of work out your best team. And I think that's what the problem both these teams have. Yeah, I'm 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 pleased to hear your kind of slight optimism because I, my takeaway from this game, I mean, <laughs> my takeaway from this game was very negative for both teams, to be honest. Uh, and, and I didn't, I didn't, think great things about Santa Clara after this game and I think when you look at their season so far you have to say they have been disappointing and I think scoring goals is a big part of why they've struggled they've only scored five goals all season they obviously started with Tagawa up front as their main strike at the beginning of the season they kind of dropped him now really after it didn't really work out and they're trying different things I think during this game from their perspective has to go down as a disappointment when you look at a team like Passos who are there for the taking. You know, they really have to be doing better than what they did. They lost to Vittoria. They gave Family Cow their only win of the season so far. They've lost to Aruka so far. They lost to Boa Vista. They drew with Casapia on the first day of the season. So their only win so far this year has come against Maritima. And we know how easy it is to get points off Maritima at this point in time. So I think... At the moment, I'm I'm happy to give them to the, the benefit of the doubt. But I think once we start getting towards 10 or 15 games of this season and the table starts to shape, take shape, if Santa Clara are not improving on the position that they're in now, then I think questions have to be asked because they've been active in the transfer market. The manager's been backed and they've not convinced me at all this season, to be totally honest with you. It's going to be interesting to see which manager lasts the longest, isn't it? Because they I feel like they're both in, you know, both had decent ends to last season, but this this season it's still not delivering. Absolutely. Well, I think that's the last game we're going to do in depth for this episode, but we should just touch on all the other games from the Primera Liga this weekend. Portimonens continued their excellent one of form with a win over Gidi Chavez at home. That was on Friday night. It was a goal from Paolo Estrella, a penalty that gave them that win and kept them in fourth place in the table. Really good start to the season for Porto Menens. On Sunday, we had Aruka and Vittoria de Guimaraes play out a 2-2 draw. Aruka will be really disappointed not to get a win because they conceded a penalty unbelievably in the 102nd minute of the game, the 12th minute of stoppage time. Uh, Vittoria, therefore, really delighted to get a point out of that one. Aruka, very disappointing, I think, for them. And Casapia that I just mentioned, 
One nil for them. They beat Family Cow. That keeps them at the top part of the table. They currently sit in sixth place. It's been a fantastic start to the season for them. You know, we're talking a lot about them as being the revelatory team this season. There's always one team every season that surprise us and and we can all get around as kind of neutrals. So a really excellent start to the season for Casapia. Yeah, but as good as it was for Casapia, um disastrous for Fabio Cow and they've obviously disposed of Rui Pedro Silva, the manager. Yeah, I feel like they had to do it. I, I quite liked him last season, but you know, they're certainly not working out for them this season. No, absolutely. And you know, it's it's funny to me that he's gone before perhaps Cesar Pachotto, but doesn't change the fact that for me, I think it was a warranted sacking. I don't think they've been good enough. They haven't convinced. They gave him seven games to try and sort it out. And I think they've just looked really poor. There's no real direction. You just don't see an identity when you look at Family Cow anymore. So, yeah, unfortunately, I think that was was the right decision. And hopefully whoever they get in will, will have better luck. Well, it's at this point in the show that we usually like to give you a game recommendation but of course it is the dreaded international break so there'll be no Primera Liga action for the next couple of weeks me and Barney will be back next week but we've decided to do a slightly different show we're going to do a Q&A show uh, because we've had a few questions come in a few questions that were supposed to be answered on the Quarterlinish podcast that we didn't have time to answer and a couple of questions from earlier in the year that we didn't have time to answer so we're going to do a Q&A show next week where you can ask us any questions about the season so far we've obviously had seven fixtures now tables starting to take shape the big clubs have been performing in Europe so any questions you've got about your team any other team any player or any manager make sure you get those into us Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Football. you can send us a message you can reply to any of our tweets we'll do a tweet asking for questions so keep an eye out for that Um, and yeah check out that show next week it should be a fun one something a bit different so uh uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. And also keep an eye out for any articles um, put out on the Portugal.net website. Uh, there might be a few in the coming weeks. And there's a couple of them there already that we've done, which we're, we're pretty proud of. So, yeah. So, yeah, we'll try and keep you company over the uh, international break, but it doesn't change the fact that it's going to be uh, inevitably a little bit painful about Paraliga, but we'll get through it together. Well, that does bring us to the end of the show. It just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening uh, if you want to contact us you can find us on Twitter at Football or on Instagram at Football. if you enjoyed the show you could leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify uh, but it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week yeah see you next week